Hello and welcome to the National Leprechaun Museum's Talking Stories podcast. Can you believe this is episode number 46? Well today it's myself Mark who will be talking to you. I'll be joined by Stefan for an amazing story. And what's great about the podcast and also about the museum itself is that we get to showcase the rich landscape of Ireland's stories, of our folk tales, our mythology. But we also get to showcase the storytellers themselves and we're very lucky to have some of the greatest storytellers in all of the land here in the museum. And we have a great history of storytellers coming into the museum and then continuing off on their travels. But Stefan is the perfect storyteller for today's story. And for me, it's one of my favourite places in Ireland. It's set in Nochfirne. Now, Nochfirne is a magical place. And I'm very lucky to have visited there a couple of times. Most recently, a few years ago, on one of the museum's field trips, which is a chance where chance for all the storytellers to hop on a bus and go and immerse ourselves in the landscape. So while the most famous story from Nochfirne is the legend of Nochfirne, today Stefan is taking us on a, a dark journey, an amazing story about the piper of Nochfirne. So for me, this is the perfect storm. It's an amazing story, an amazing storyteller set in an amazing place. So just allow yourself to sit back, enjoy it, and immerse yourself in this story. And I'll be back straight afterwards to have a little chat. Tom McKinney was a farmer living in the shadow of Knockfirna Hill in County Limerick. Now he and his family had fallen upon hard times. Their cattle had taken ill, many of them had died, and those that were left, well, they were weak and sickly, unable to put on much weight and completely unable to give any milk. And so the family was forced to sell off many of their possessions in order to make ends meet. Before long, the only treasure the family really had left was a fine set of illin pipes belonging to Tom himself. And so one morning, Tom set off into town with his pipes, hoping to play a few tunes down in the pub to try and earn a little bit of cash. But as he was walking down the road, Who should step out from behind a hedgerow but down Fierna himself, the king of the dead who lived beneath Knockfirna Hill? And when he caught sight of Tom, he said, Ah, well, sure it's yourself, Tom. It's very good to meet you this morning. Now I would love it if I could hear you play a tune on your pipes. But it was a freezing winter's morning. Tom's finger bones, they were frozen to the marrow. And he said, I'd love to, your lordship. But my bones, they're absolutely frozen. I wouldn't be able to finger the pipes at all. And down, he took Tom's hands between his own as if to warm them. And Tom, he could feel a tingle move through his fingers. And Down said, 
There now, Tom. I've given you the gift of music. You will be the finest piper in all of Ireland. But listen, I've heard that you and your family, you're having a hard time of it at the moment. So I want you to take this as well and go home to your lovely wife. Adown, he pulled from beneath his cloak a sack full of gold. A tom, he took it gratefully and down said, And if you want to pay me back for that, Tom, you can meet me here this evening and I'll have a job for you. So Tom, he took the gold and he brought it back home to his wife. His wife was absolutely delighted with this. She took the gold and she went into town. She'd bought back all of their old possessions and she bought food for the month and she made a huge dinner that night. But after dinner, Tom, he remembered what Down had told him. And so he went back to that corner on the road. And sure enough, Down Fierna was waiting for him there. Down he was sitting on the back of a huge white horse. And around him were thirty others. All fairy folk, all mounted on the backs of white horses. And Down said to Tom, We are going across the river to a castle where there is a young woman whom we are going to kidnap. But the gates of the castle, they're made of pure iron, Tom. Not one of us can touch them. We need you to open the gates for us. Tom, he wasn't sure how he felt about this. He didn't want to be part of a kidnapping, but he didn't know he owed down a favour, and he didn't know what would happen to him if he denied the king of the dead. And so he agreed. A down led him to another horse, but it wasn't a great, noble war charger like the others. It was an old cart horse. And Down gave him instructions. There is an enchantment, Tom, upon all of these horses that will allow them to run faster than any living horse, that will allow them to ignore any obstacle, to leap any gap. But that enchantment will be broken if a single word is spoken before we reach our destination. So remember to stay quiet. He helped Tom up on the back of the old cart horse. And then they were off. Down and his riders, they rode across the countryside. They ran through forests as if they weren't there. They leapt every gap, every valley, every road. And soon they came upon the mighty Shannon River. Down and his riders, they all leapt across without effort. But Tom, he was in the back. And he was stealing himself, preparing himself, filled with fear that he'd end up drowning in the river. But as he reached the edge, the cart horse had bunched itself up and leapt clear across. 
and in his relief, in his excitement, Tom, he couldn't help himself, and he shouted out, Well done, old horse! And at that, he found himself back on the other side of the river, back on the road to Limerick. And all he could do was turn back and walk back home. But when he reached that self-same corner by Knockfearna Hill, he saw Down Fearna again. And when Down saw him, Tom could feel his gaze. And he thought to himself, oh no, oh no. I failed in his instructions. I spoke when I shouldn't have. I broke the enchantment. I've ruined everything. What is he going to do to me? What's going to happen to me at all? But down. He broke down laughing and he said, Oh, well, that was a disaster, wasn't it, Tom? Ah, well, never mind, never mind. Here's what we'll do. You go home, you take this second sack of gold with you. Meet me here again tomorrow night, we'll try again. Don't worry about it. So with a sense of relief, Tom, he took the second sack of gold back home and his wife was amazed by it. But Tom, he remembered his obligations. He returned to the corner of the road in the shadow of Knockfearna Hill the next evening. And there he met with Down and his riders again. A Down led him to a horse, but this time it wasn't an old cart horse. It was a huge white war charger like all of the rest. He mounted up on its back and he followed the others as they rode through the countryside, tearing through the forests, leaping the rivers. And this time, Tom, he remembered to keep his mouth shut. They arrived at the castle. Tom, he dismounted. He opened the gates, and the riders filed into the courtyard. Down dismounted, he climbed up the wall to one of the windows where a young woman was waiting for him. She didn't seem at all to be disturbed at the idea of this kidnapping. In fact, she seemed a little bit annoyed that they hadn't managed to do it the night before. And as Down carried her down the side of the wall, she shot a bit of a glare at Tom. And they mounted back onto their horses and they rode back across the River Shannon and went in underneath Knockfearna Hill into the caverns and halls of Downfearna. And down there, beneath the earth, beneath Knockfearna Hill, down and the young woman were married. The wedding celebration, it was incredible. It lasted for three days and there was music and feasting and storytelling. And Tom McKinney himself, he took his pipes and he played music. He played music that he had played hundreds of times before, 
far better than he had ever played it before. He played music he'd heard once or twice in passing, and he played it like he had written it himself. And he played music that no one there had ever heard before in their lives, least of all Tom. And he played it like an expert with grace and skill, using the gift that Down had given him at their first meeting. When three days of celebrating had passed, Tom, he approached Down Fierna and he said, Ah, now this has been wonderful, your lordship. I was a little trepidatious about joining in on a kidnapping at first, but I can see you had everything well arranged in advance. But listen, it's been three days since I've been home. My family, they must be worried. I need to head back home. And down, he gave Tom a look. Tom, it has been a year in your world since you have been home. Your family thinks you're dead. The day after you arrived here, a body looking very much like you washed up on shore. Your wife has remarried. But listen, don't worry about us, Tom. I'm sure it'll be fine. What I want you to do is take this third sack of gold and bring it on home to your lovely family. I'm sure everything will work out. So Tom, he took the third sack of gold and he walked home. He was feeling very nervous, very anxious. His family thought he was dead. His wife had remarried. What was he going to do? How could it possibly work out well? As he reached the town, people recognised him and they turned white turned pale, as if they'd seen a ghost several ran for their lives, much to Tom's amusement. He got to the house and he looked in the window. And sure enough, there, sitting in his place at the table, was a strange man he didn't recognise. He did the only thing he could do. He knocked on the door. His wife answered, turning pale at the sight of him. But he explained that he had just been at the wedding of Down in the other world beneath Knockferna Hill. And that he had no idea a year had passed in all that time he had been there. Now his wife's new husband, he listened to this story. And he said, well, I think we need to talk to the priest about this. The priest came over. And he said that seeing as Tom hadn't actually died, well, their marriage, it was still there. It still counted. It wasn't broken. But Tom agreed that the new husband could live there too. They had enough money to provide for all of them. And so, as really can only happen in an Irish story when the King of the Dead is involved, they all lived happily ever after.
Well, I tell you, it's not very often you hear that phrase in Irish storytelling. They all lived happily ever after. But I think that story actually wraps up quite nicely. And I'll talk a little bit more about that in a moment. What I first want to go back to is how this story, when you listen to it for the first time. And I remember reading this story actually for the first time many years ago. But when you hear this story for the first time, it seems so fantastical. It's just so outlandish, you know, this this journey on these magical horses, meeting the Lord of the Dead, you know, down Ferna, and the kidnapping, the, the, you know, sacks of gold, it all seems so wild. But the more you listen to the story, and the more you read and pay attention to the story, you see how commonplace it is. You know, you look at his reaction, the Piper's reaction, where he's just, you know, they've fallen on hard times, and that's, that's something that everyone can, can understand. But he heads off, you know, through desperation, he heads off with his pipes and he's hoping to make some music, you know, make some money playing some music or if needs be, sell the pipes. But he happens across the, the, you know, the God of the Dead. Broad daylight on the road while heading off to Limerick. And his reaction is that it's, it's perfectly normal. It's perfectly understandable. He's accepting of the you know the sack of gold, no question. And indeed, when he goes back home to his wife, she has no questions either. And he almost, the story makes out like he's forgotten that he has to go back. And it's only after his supper he remembers and he decides to head out. Um, and even just the idea of going and doing the kidnapping, everything is just so normal. And he just goes along with it. And I think that is so representative of the Irish people. You know, that attitude of, ah, it's grand. Ah, yeah, sure, why not? And I think it's amazing. And even after the failing of the first mission, he's given the second sack of gold and he's asked to come back again and he does it, no question. And this time it works out and, as I said, it ends up with this amazing, you know, wedding in the other world. All perfectly normal. And I think it's amazing though, to look at this story, as I do with an awful lot of our stories, and I always see that it's a solitary character. You never see a bunch of people being whisked off to the other world. It's always one person, because you can't have witnesses, because a lot of these stories are excuses. If you break this down and remove the magic from it, really it's a story of a man who left one day when times were bad, and he didn't come back for a few years, and when he came back he had an excuse. But what happens when he comes back? That the wife has moved on and the priest is called in. And this I think is one of the most beautiful parts of this story. They just decide all to live together. And it's that idea of this non-traditional family. Which we see so often in Irish mythology. It's not unusual for there to be foster parents. You know for there to be foster brothers and sisters. And they all just get along. They all raise each other. It's more than just a, the kind of atomic kind of family unit. It's that we're all part of the same family that I think that is beautiful and again just so easy to accept in this story that makes it absolutely fascinating and I think Stefan's telling of this story with the accents you know if, to be honest I found it hard to pick out their real accent in that story uh, but so many subtle changes to really give you an idea of the characters was absolutely amazing and like I said you've got the perfect storyteller for an, an amazing story, you know, and then you've got this location, Knockfirna. Now, I love Knockfirna, and I've been there many times, but I just, while listening to the story, I thought back to the last time that I was there, 
And I know the last time I was there was with my fellow storytellers on the 5th of February 2020, before the world turned on its head. We were up that hill and there was a plaque there and I can't remember exactly the wording on the plaque, but there was a plaque at the base of the hill that said, if by any chance you were to see a fairy palace, just know that it'll disappear just as quick. And it was amazing. And I remember as we walked up that hill, I remember in particular myself, Paddy and Nisha walking up the hill and we saw a hare rushing ahead of us. And the idea that other world people can appear as hares, it just felt magical. Made you not realise how, <laughs> what a walk it was and how steep and treacherous the climb was to get to the top of Nocturna. But it was amazing. And at the top, we sat down and we ate oranges as we always do. And we shared our sandwiches and, you know, had a tea from a flask. And then we set off down the hill again. And on the same field trip, we headed off to Knock Grafton. It's always an amazing experience to get to actually spend time immersed in the landscape and the stories. And I hope that when we tell the stories to people, whether it's in the museum or here in the podcast, that we can somehow take you away with us to these places. It's something we've been doing for over a decade now, and it's something we're going to continue doing. So... If you've enjoyed the story today, maybe we'll see you in the museum someday. If not, maybe you can just go back and listen to more of our podcasts. Subscribe, say hello to us on any of the platforms that we inhabit, and there are plenty. But whatever you do, just enjoy the stories. And if you have a story to tell yourself, all you need is another set of ears, and you're sorted. So for now, I'd like to say thank you for listening. Thank you to Stefan for an amazing story, and we look forward to giving you another podcast in a couple of weeks so slong a foal agus ganairi an boher live which means goodbye for now and may the road rise up to meet you